coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at my bookie if you haven't already signed up for my bookie account which i know most of you have but if you haven't if you've been on the fence now is the time so you can go ahead and start to build that bankroll up the process is simple guys you go to mybookie.ag use our promo code uga when you sign up for a brand new account and they're gonna hook you up with a 50 percent bonus on your first deposit it's really tough to beat that offer guys they're giving you free money to play with so take advantage of it while you can again mybookie.ag promo code u G A. All right, guys, you know what's up. I'm your host, Tyler, and I was not scheduled to record an episode today. That was not the plan. Today was supposed to be an off day getting ready for the episodes the rest of the week. But then, on the heels of hiring James Coley to replace Brian McClendon, Kirby Smart had to go and hire Josh Crawford to replace Del McGee as our new running backs coach. I covered the Coley hire on Monday's podcast, so that one's already done. But I've been getting some questions, obviously, about this Crawford hire. So, I mean, you guys know how we do on this podcast. This is a show of, for, and by the people. And if the people want some thoughts on this latest hire, then by God, the people are gonna get it. So I gathered my thoughts. Fire up the mic, and here I am to share some quick thoughts on the latest addition to our coaching staff. And to start, I have a confession to make. I know, as a guy who has run a Georgia podcast going on 10 years, I should know the landscape of college football, the players, the coaches, the whole nine yards. I should know that pretty well, right? And I feel like I do, but I have to admit, confession time, I had never heard the name Josh Crawford until early last week, and that was in connection to our wide receivers coaching job. I had never heard the guy's name. I was completely unaware that this man existed on this earth, and that's on me. Now, in my defense, I would argue, well, how would I know who this guy is? Why would I have any reason to possibly know who this man is? Because he spent the vast majority of his coaching career at the high school level, was at Western Kentucky in 21 and 22, and that, that was as the receivers coach. He was promoted to co-OC in 2022, but then he goes to Georgia Tech, and last year was his first year at the Power 5 level. And yeah, I know he was at Georgia Tech, which is one of our rivals, but also Georgia Tech is, I mean, let's just call it what it is, guys. They're irrelevant at this point. Yeah, I pay attention to their head coaching hires, Brent Key. I pay attention to their offensive coordinator, defense coordinator hires, obviously. But a random position coach at Georgia Tech who's never coached the Power 5 level before is not going to catch my attention. Even if I had heard his name, and maybe I did somewhere along the way, and I just never actually stuck it in my brain, Never, maybe it never encoded from short-term to long-term memory, whatever the reason, I have no recollection of ever hearing the man's name before last week. I am man enough to admit that. And the only reason I say that, the only reason that I bring this up, is to say that I cannot sit here and confidently declare that this is a home run hire because I don't know that. I don't know enough about this guy. In fact, I mean, his resume at the college level isn't extensive enough for us to really know that. I want to scream from the rooftops. This is a a can't miss hire, a home run hire, grand slam hire by Kirby Smart. I want to do that, of course. I hope that's the case, and it very well might be the case when we look down the road two, three years, we look back and say, oh yeah, like home run hire Kirby Smart, much like the Fran Brown hire was. Although Fran certainly had more 
college coaching experience than Crawford had when we hired him. I mean, Brown had been coaching at Temple since like 2012, spent a year at Baylor and spent a couple years at Rutgers, but he wasn't a household name. He was a name that everyone in the Southeast, everyone in the Georgia fan base was intimately familiar with. I was vaguely aware of him and his recruiting reputation when we hired him, but I didn't know much more about him beyond that, that he was a guy from Northeast, had connections up there, and was a big time recruiter up there. And obviously that turned out to be a home run hire for us. Now he parlayed his coaching job here in Athens to a head coaching position at Syracuse in a Power 5 program. So I'm very hopeful that Josh Crawford follows a very similar trajectory because if he does, that means he's going to do a hell of a job for us the way that Fran Brown did. But again, I can't tell you that. I can't guarantee that is going to be the case. I mean, you can never really guarantee anything, but I can't speak with a high degree of confidence in his ability as a coach because there's just not that much evidence to go off of as a college coach, which is a very small sample size. So I just want to open with that. I want to make sure we put that out there and that I'm open from the get-go about that part of this equation. But saying that, I'm really high on this hire. I really do think that this is going to be one of those hires, as I said a second ago, that we look back on two or three years from now and say, man, Kirby just hit another home run with that hire. Now, why do I say that, okay? If this is a guy that I don't really know that much about, if I didn't even know he existed on this planet until about a week ago, why am I all of a sudden feeling that this is going to be a really good hire, right? That's a very fair question to ask. Well, here is my response to that, all right? When I look at this hire, I see a young up-and-coming coach who really checks all the boxes that we're looking for at that position, as a running back coach, as a position coach, specifically at the running back spot where I'm not saying that any just Joe Smo off the street can step in and coach running back to the college level, but it's not as technical of a position to coach as some others out there. But when you look at this guy's resume, it screams of exactly the type of coach that we need in that role, the type of coach that we're looking for in that role to replace Del McGee. I think in a lot of ways, you could call Josh Crawford a young Del McGee. There are a lot of similarities between those two guys and their backgrounds, a lot of similarities. I know at this point, we are all very familiar with the name Del McGee, and we feel like he's been a college coach for a long, long time, and I guess he kind of has since Kirby Smart got here in 2016. He was one of the OGs in Kirby Smart's initial staff, but prior to that, he only had two years of college coaching experience. He coached at Georgia Southern at 24, in 2014 and 2015. Prior to that, I mean, he was an analyst at Auburn. So if you want to give him credit for that, I guess you can give him credit for that. But he wasn't an on-field guy. He was a behind-the-scenes support staff guy. The, where he spent the majority of his career prior to that, all of his career to that point, was as a high school football coach in the state of Georgia, right? Harris County, Greenville High School, Carver-Columbus High School. He was the head coach. That's really where he made a name for himself. 2005 to 2012, Carver-Columbus was really successful under his watch there. He produced a number of big-time players come out of that high school. Isaiah Crowell, you guys remember that name, right? He was a Carver-Columbus product. So when you think back to 2016 and Kirby Smart's filling out his initial staff in Athens, why do you hire Del McGee? Why do you bring this guy on as a position coach? Well, you don't bring him on because of his extensive college coaching experience or because of his reputation as some whiz kid X's and O's genius. That's not why we brought that guy on because none of those things really applied to him at that time. You bring that guy on, you hire Del McGee as part of your first staff at the University of Georgia because of his extensive 
high school coaching experience in the state of Georgia. Why does that matter? Well, number one, you have connections with a lot of coaches in the state. That certainly helps get your foot in the door with a lot of these recruits, build those relationships. And number two, you have worked with the type of guys that you're going to be recruiting basically your entire career. You know those kids. You know how they're built. You know how to build relationships with them. You know how to connect with them. You know how to talk to them, guys. You would be shocked. Maybe you wouldn't because maybe this applies to some of you guys because why would you know how to talk to these kids? But you'd be surprised at how many adults just don't know how to talk to teenagers. They don't know how to speak to them. They don't know how to connect with them because they don't interact with them. Maybe outside of like your own kids, but you don't interact with them on a daily basis outside of like your own family. That's what Del McGee lived. And those are the kinds of players that he's go- that he was going to be recruiting. So that's why you bring Del McGee on. And it was a fantastic hire. It's paid significant dividends for us throughout Kirby's entire tenure in Athens to this point. So for the same reasons that we hired Del McGee back in 2016 to be part of Kirby's initial staff, those are the exact reasons why you hire Josh Crawford because their backgrounds are extraordinarily similar. If you go back and you look at Josh Crawford's background, a lot of you have probably looked this up by now at some point today, but just in case you've been busy and you haven't had a chance to look it up. So yeah, he was at Georgia Tech last year, Western Kentucky in 21 and 22 as a receivers coach, was promoted after one year to co-OC at Western Kentucky, which I think is a really strong sign, not just of like his ability to connect with players as a recruiter, but also like his X's and O's ability to get promoted that quickly. In Western Kentucky, I know that's not a power five program, but that is a prolific offensive program. Their offense is consistently one of the top offenses in the entire country. So for Tyson Helton to promote Josh Crawford to co-OC as quickly as he did, that is a strong sign this guy is a, a legit football mind. But yeah, he was at Western Kentucky in 21 and 22. Prior to that, his career consisted of high school coaching really all over the state of Georgia. Yeah, he had a lot of experience in South Georgia. He was at Valdosta from uh, 2018 and 2019. He was at Colquitt County in 2020. He was also at Colquitt County in 2014, 15, and 16. Jefferson, 2013, and GAC, Great Atlanta Christian, from 2010 to 2012. So he's coached kind of all over the place, Metro Atlanta area with GAC. Jefferson's here near Athens. Uh, Colquitt, Lee, Valdosta, obviously more South Georgia, but he has extensive coaching connections in this state, and that matters. The coaches, the high school coaches are often your conduit to the players that they coach. You want the high school coaches talking up the guys that are recruiting their players to their players. You want them to talk up those coaches to their players. You want the, you want these high school coaches to say, hey, guys, I'm telling you, Josh Crawford, this guy is legit. You can trust this guy. Like, I know him. I can vouch for him. You want them to say that. And Josh Crawford seemingly not only has the connections, but seemingly has the respect of those high school coaches, has a lot of rapport with those high school coaches. And then as I mentioned a few minutes ago, not only is it the connections, not only is it the relationship he has with the high school coaches, but the fact that he spent essentially a decade coaching high school football, and also at a high level, by the way, Colquitt, Valdosta, high level stuff, Jefferson, these aren't mom and pop programs. These are like legit high school programs in the state of Georgia. The big leagues of high school football in the state of Georgia, if you will. Even GAC has had some runs. And as someone who grew up in Gwinnett County, my dad actually worked literally like 30 seconds away from GAC when I was a kid. They take it seriously there. But coaching high school football, working with teenage football players, the kind of guys that he's going to be recruiting, doing that for a decade, learning how they tick, learning how these guys operate, how they're built, that's so valuable. 
again, I cannot tell you guys, you can't just take it for a given. You can't take it as a given that these adult men know how to talk to teenagers. When you talk about like what makes someone a good recruiter, like James Coley, great recruiter, Kirby Smart, great recruiter, Will Muschamp, great recruiter, all these guys, Glenn Schumann, Dan Lanning, what makes them great recruiters? Think about this, okay? What makes someone a great recruiter? Well, it's all about relationships. We know that. It's about relationships. What does that come down to? When you talk when you talk about building a relationship with a high school football player. What does that even mean? It means you know how to talk to them. Number one, if you can't talk to them, if you're like, hey man, that was your day. Like, uh, yeah, you know, it's a nice day out today. Like, no, no, that's like, no, that's lame. It's not going to work. All right. They're not going to buy into that. They're not going to trust you. It is a skill guys being able to talk to high school students and be able to connect with them. That is not something that everyone has. It's a skill and it is an incredibly valuable skill, a marketable skill in the college coaching profession. I'm telling you guys, I've coached high school football before. Like it's, you would cringe at how some adults tried to talk to high school kids. They just, they don't understand how to, right? They just don't understand how to, and it's not their fault. Like they, they just, they're not really around them all that much. And if they are, they just, it's kind of an awkward thing. So not everyone has it. Not everyone has it. Seemingly, Josh Crawford has that. And look, you might scoff at that. You might. That's fine. You might be sitting here shaking your head saying, well, that doesn't matter. What matters is like, how, how much can you coach? Can you develop these players? That matters too, of course. I'm not saying it doesn't. But let's also not bury our head in the sand here. What is the biggest reason this guy is being brought in? Okay, As a position coach at the University of Georgia, I would say, like I said with Coley, at least half of your job is recruiting. Like that's half of the job, at least, if not more than that. Certainly there's a developmental part of it and there's a, a game planning component. Of course, all of that, that's part of it too. But if you can't recruit, you can't coach for Kirby Smart. It's that simple. And this guy seemingly can do that. At least to me, again, like I said at the outset, I, I don't have a ton of, of background knowledge on this guy. I don't know him that well because I've only known he existed for the past week or so. But when you dive into his resume and you look at what people say to him and you read things and you hear things, you're like, oh, this seems like exactly the kind of guy that we need for that spot. Again, as I said, he's like young Del McGee because people were saying the same things about Del McGee. Del McGee had a very similar background to Josh Crawford when we hired him. And how did that work out? Let me ask you that. How did that work out? Yeah, that guy's been great for us, and now he's parlayed that and that success to a head coaching job at Georgia State. In fact, if you look at Josh Crawford, he actually has a little bit more college coaching experience than Dell had when we hired Dell. Dell had those two years at Georgia Southern. Well, Crawford had two years at West Kentucky, and he at least had one year at a Power 5 program in Georgia Tech. So there's that. I'll also throw this out there. So I mentioned West Kentucky and how prolific their offense is. I mean, I love watching West Kentucky. I've loved watching them for a while because they just do some different things offensively. and They're just prolific on offense. They have been for seemingly like a decade or so now, even before Tyson Helton got there. So I love watching them play. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I, I like sit there all week just waiting for West Kentucky games to come out on Saturdays. But you guys know I watch football all week long. I mean, I record games, I DVR, and I'm watching them all through the week, especially if they're playing on a Thursday night, a Wednesday night, Friday night. If West Kentucky's on, I'm watching West Kentucky. I think they're fun to watch. And I do think that Crawford's experience at West Kentucky, again, not just as a wide receivers coach, spent one year there as a co-OC. I think that experience and that knowledge of how they do things Bringing that to Athens might add a little something to our offense, maybe inject some new ideas, some new thoughts, some new tweaks into what we do offensively that can help make our offense even more prolific than it has been. So I certainly like that as well. But again, back to what I said at the outset, 
I, I can't tell you, I can't guarantee you this is going to be a home run hire. I wish I could. I wish I could comfort you. I wish I could tell you, hey guys, like we're in no way going to skip a beat here, losing Del McGee, going to Josh Crawford. I can't guarantee you that because again, there's not that big of a sample size at the college level. And I don't know that much about him outside of his background. But as I've laid out here, I love his background and his background, his resume screams of the kind of guy that we need for that position and the kind of guy that's going to do exactly what we need him to do and a guy that has a really high ceiling, a high potential. Now, we don't know for sure, but I do think he has the makings of being a really, really, really good position coach for us. And hey, if you don't want to take my word for it, if you don't want to trust me, that's fine. I get it. I can respect that. But have we not gotten to the point where we just trust the guy who's won two out of the last three national championships? Like, do we not trust that guy at this point? Do we not think he knows what he's doing? Has he not earned your trust? I mean, forget about the national championships. Let's put those aside. Has he not earned your trust with his hires to this point? I'm not saying he's bad at a thousand, but he's hitting, what, about 850 or so? Brings in Trey Scott. A lot of people had issues with Trey Scott off the bat because he wasn't recruited at the highest level right away. And we're like, hey, man, who is this guy? He's not getting the job done. Let's move on from him. Well, Kirby knew what he was talking about, hired him, stuck with him, and look how that paid dividends. Brought Glenn Schumann over from Alabama, hired Dan Lanning from Memphis. People had all these qualms about Stacey Searles coming back when we hired him, and Stacey Searles has been great for us since he's returned. People were freaking out about Mike Bobo, and despite what you may think about Bobo, I know we have some Bobo haters out there. That's fine. Like, you do you. Think what you want to think. But at the very least, you have to admit that Bobo was a disaster. Bobo was, at the very least, really, really good for us. If you don't think he was up to Todd Munkin's standard, which I can I can entertain that conversation. But Bobo produced a top five offense, guys. And think about all the injuries we had, first time starting quarterback. Yeah, Bobo did a hell of a job for us. And Kirby promoted that guy. Kind of knew what he was doing. Fran Brown knew what he was doing. So yeah, if you don't want to take my word for it, that's cool. Let's at least give Kirby Smart, the man that has made all of your wildest dreams come true as a Georgia football fan, let's give that man the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, let's not freak out until we have an actual reason to freak out. So yeah, there are some quick thoughts on Josh Crawford, that hire. I like it. I think it's going to be a really good hire. Again, I think it's going to be one of those things you look back on it three, four years down the road and say, man, like, let's go. What a hire, Kirby Smart. We'll see. But that's kind of where I am on this right now. And I do have a couple more thoughts I want to share with you. But first, I do want to remind you again about our great friends at my bookie. Yes, it is almost March. Well, we're... It's a leap year, right? So we're going to stay four days away from March. I think it's Friday is March 1st, I want to say. So March is essentially here. We can say that. March is essentially here, which means that March Madness is just around the corner. And you want to go ahead and start building that bankroll. And there's no better place to do that at than my book. They have a ton of betting options. Of course, they have the, the game lines. They have the win totals, team totals. They have parlay options. They have all sorts of things. You can go ahead and start putting some money down on who you think might win the national championship. If you think you've seen that team, put some futures down. So jump on it while you can, guys. We've got a great deal going for you. Just go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code UGA, and you'll get a 50% bonus if you're a new user on top of that first deposit. That's free money, guys. Jump on it right now so you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. All right, guys, really quickly here. I, I should have probably done this at the outset, but I didn't think about it until like halfway through the Josh Crawford deal. I do want to give Del McGee some props here, right? I, I want to sit here and just talk about Del McGee for a minute. He's moving on, right? We talked about this a little bit last week, but I, I do want to just say Del, Del McGee, I think, in my opinion, did a, a really, really good job for us as a running backs coach. Think about the running backs that we've had come through Georgia during his time here, okay? I know Nick Chubb was here. I know Sony was already in town when he got the job, but those guys really excelled 
under his leadership. DeAndre Swift, another guy that, I mean, he was a big part of recruiting and landing and excelled under his leadership. A guy like Elijah Holyfield, who was not super talented, same thing with Brian Harry, not the most talented guy in the world, but ended up being really productive backs for us under Dell McGee's leadership. Kenny McIntosh, another guy that developed tremendously over the course of his career. Hell, Dejon Edwards developed incredibly over the course of his career. Nobody was talking about this guy as someone that was going to be a big time player for us coming in, into the into the college level. James Cook went from being a guy that everyone thought was just like a scat back to being a guy that could be a legitimate feature back helped him develop into now a starter in the NFL who almost led the entire NFL in rushing this year. So just from a developmental standpoint, again, I I don't think that running back is the most difficult position to coach on the field, but you still have to coach some. You still have to develop the players. And I think he did a hell of a job in that regard throughout his entire time here under Kirby Smart. Now, as a recruiter, he came in with that reputation. Like, this guy's going to be an ace recruiter, kind of like Josh Crawford's coming in with. And he certainly lived up to that billing the first couple of years that he was an athlete. You know, you land DeAndre Swift. We landed Zach Evans, but then we all know how that went down. But landing him is a big get. Zamir White, five-star prospect. James Cook is a top 50 player nationally. Now, James Coley had a lot to do with that with the South Florida ties, but Del McGee was certainly heavily involved in that recruitment as well. So early in his tenure, he had some massive hits, some home run hits at the running back position in terms of his recruiting of running backs. But I also think you have to say over the last three to four years, that has fallen off some. Our running back recruiting has fallen off. It's not been bad by any stretch of the imagination. It just hasn't been to the level that maybe we are accustomed to. So maybe you could say that Del McGee was in some ways a victim of his own early success. I think that might be a fair way to look at it. But the reality is our running back recruiting really started to tail off probably around 2019. So 2018 is the year where we signed Zamir White and James Cook. That's an elite running back class by anyone's standards. But 2019, you followed up and okay, you just landed two big time backs the year before. So you're probably not going to be able to land another stud or at least it's harder to land another five-star running back, a top 50 guy that becomes more challenging because there's no class separation there. And these guys all want carries, right? That becomes harder when you have Zamir White and James Cook who were just signed the year before you. So yeah, it's a little bit more difficult in 2019, but the only guy that we signed in that class was Kenny McIntosh. And look, Kenny McIntosh ended up being a very good running back for us, especially his final year. I mean, he was a, a solid, productive back and did some good things for us his first couple years on campus. But obviously in 2022, he became the feature guy and was fantastic for us. But when Kenny was coming out of high school, he was not a highly recruited guy. And look, at the end of the day, what really matters is what you produce at the college level. Your high school rating, five-star, four-star, three-star, whatever, it really doesn't matter as long as you produce at the college level. Who cares if you're a three-star or five-star or whatever as long as you produce? And Kenny McIntosh ultimately produced, but at the same time, that was really only one year. It was a fantastic year for Kenny, one that got him an NFL deal, got him drafted, but I don't think we can sit here and say Kenny McIntosh was an elite running back for Georgia throughout the entirety of his career. So I think that 2019 class is where you started to see us decline a little bit when it came to our running back recruiting. And then you go to 2020. And this is where I think Del McGee really dropped the ball. And I don't want to put this all on him. And I really, really appreciate Del McGee and think he did largely a very, very, very good job for us. But the way the 2020 recruiting class went down at the running back position was borderline... 
I don't want to say unforgivable. I don't think that's fair, but was borderline malpractice. Now, who do we end up signing in 2020? Well, Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton. And both of them ended up being good backs for us, right? But was either one of those guys an elite player really at any point in their career? Good productive players when they were healthy. Dejan Edwards, highly undervalued, underrated, but was just I mean, he was a guy that just made plays, man. So we talked about him for the past two years. He just made plays. That's all the guy did, no matter what you want to say about him. He just went out there. He was a football player, and the dude made plays. Now, Kendall Milton is obviously a little bit of a different story. He was just injured so much throughout his career. When he was healthy, as he was the last half of this year, the guy was very, very good for us. So I'm not saying that we got scrubs in that class. We got two good running backs that were productive for us. So it wasn't like a complete flop. It wasn't a complete whiff. But at the same time, it wasn't a home run either. And it had the potential to be an absolute home run running back class for us. And if you don't remember, let me just refresh your memory a little bit here. So that is the year that we got a commitment from Zach Evans. We went all in for Zach Evans. He was the number one running back in the country. He was the most highly sought after running back in the country. And everyone in the country wanted this guy. They wanted the talent, right? And we ultimately ended up landing him out of the state of Texas. But the issue with Zach Evans is that there were always red flags. And we just willfully ignored those red flags in favor of his talent. Because, I mean, clearly the way we looked at it was this guy's just so talented We've got to take him, we give him our culture, we give him our program, and we'll straighten this guy out. And if not, then we'll just send him along and like, bye-bye, see you later. So we were willing to take the risk on him. But in doing so, we essentially gave the middle finger to two running backs, two in-state running backs that were highly talented coming out of high school and wanted to come to Georgia but ended up going elsewhere because we had already got a commitment from Kendall Milton. That was one back we're going to take, and then we're going to take Zach Evans. Those are going to be our two backs. So we said, sorry, guys, we love you, appreciate you, you're really good, but we're good with these two guys. Well, who were those two running backs? Well, they were Tank Bigsby and Jameer Gibbs. Those are the two guys that we chose Kendall Milton and Zach Evans over. And, I'm, and Kendall, like I Kendall was a good, a good back for us when he was healthy. You had no way to know that he wasn't have the injury situation that he had when he came to Athens. So I don't think that Dell did anything wrong there. That was a really good pickup. And Kendall was a, a top 50-ish guy when he came into high school out of California. So he, that was a big-time get. But the Zach Evans thing is where I just, man, he loses me there, okay? Because, yes, I know how talented Zach Evans was. Like, we all know the talent. We remember how good this guy was. But when there are so many red flags, just screaming red flags in your face, and it's not like we didn't have really, 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 really good options that were maybe just slightly behind Zach Evans on our running back recruiting board and Tank Bigsby and Jameer Gibbs, we had those options. We could have very easily said, you know what, like Zach, you're really talented, man, but like these red flags, like you just, I don't think you're the kind of guy that we want to bring into our program. And then you go and you bring in Tank Bigsby, and if he still wants to go to Auburn because like we're too late to the party and his feelings got hurt, then you go get Jameer Gibbs. Hopefully it's not too late for him. We could have done that. We could have done that, but no, we waited too long, and what happened? It all blew up. Zach Evans' character came back to bite us. It blew up again with his coaching staff in high school, and then we moved on, and by the time we moved on, Tank Bigsby had committed to Auburn, and Jameer Gibbs had committed to Georgia Tech, and both those guys had their feelings hurt because they were not our top choice. Like We were coming, crawling back, saying, hey guys, remember us? Like I know we had this guy ahead of you. It didn't work out, but now you want to come to Georgia? And they're like, no, hell no. Like You guys didn't want us first. Like Screw you. I'm going to Auburn, I'm going to Tech. So just think about that. We could have had either Tank Bigsby or Jameer Gibbs on our roster for three years. Now, I know that we ended up winning 
back-to-back national titles, so I guess it all comes out in the wash, like who cares at the end of the day, but hey, could we have won a third national title with those guys? I don't know if we could. I mean, 2020, we just, there were issues beyond the running back position. That wasn't really the problem, so probably not. I mean, we still won two national titles, but I mean, if you're talking about your job is go out there and, and keep our running back room in as good a shape as possible, he dropped the ball there. Fortunately, it did not come back to hurt us because, yes, we did win those back-to-back national titles, but that was that was a mistake by Del McGee. And I don't want to put all of it on him because that's a bigger decision than just Dell. Obviously, as the running back coach, he has a lot of say in who we were recruiting at the running back position. But the head coach, offensive coordinator, the offensive staff, the recruiting staff, they all have a voice in that as well. So it's not exclusively a Del McGee thing. But again, Del McGee is certainly heavily involved with that considering that he is the running back coach. And then you go to 2021, and the only guy that we signed as a running back was Lavoisier Carroll. And that dude never played running back for us. He came to Athens and ended up getting moved to defensive back. He didn't like that. He transfers out. So nothing in that class and you go to 2022 and Branson Robinson was a big hit. I will give him credit. He bounced back. Branson Robinson was a highly touted player, a highly sought after prospect. And he's going to be very good for us if we can get him back healthy. We've seen some signs of that. And then Andrew Paul in that class, the 2022 class was a late pickup. Clemson was in on him. We ended up getting him. And I, I was high on Andrew Paul coming out of high school. I thought that was a really nice late pickup. And I, th- I still think he could be a good back. Obviously, the ACL injury as a freshman, and this guy was kind of making a move a little bit as a freshman, tears his ACL, and you know the rest is history. The jury's still very much out there. I'm very hopeful that he can get back to his old form. We'll see, but he needs a little bit of time to, to recover from that injury. Apparently, it was a, it was a pretty rough injury. So 2022, uh, yeah, it's, it still could be a really good class. The jury's still out there. Injuries have kind of set that group back. And then, of course, in 2023, we miss out on an in-state legacy guy in Justice Haynes. We make a run at Ruben Owens. That was never really going to happen. Didn't land him, but he was very high on our board. Richard Young, same thing. We end up signing Roderick Robinson, who was solid for us at times when he got opportunities for his injury as a freshman, but still has got to prove himself. I thought he looked much better in the bowl game, but who didn't look great in the bowl game against Florida State? But he did look like he dropped a little bit of weight, was running with more power, running behind his pads a little better, which as a big back, that's what you need to do. And he wasn't always doing that early in the year, but he seemed like he'd really taken some some time to practice and improve his body and get better. And I, and I was very glad and encouraged to see that. But is Roger Robinson ever going to be an elite running back for us? I mean, he was a backup, 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 backup running back. and He was a really good player in high school, but he was nowhere near our first or second or third option in the 2023 class. We missed on all of those guys. Now, this year, Del McGee really came back with a vengeance. I think we put together a hell of a running back recruiting class, getting Nate Frazier from California, Matter Day. I mean, that guy is as good a running back as there is in the country. I'm really high on Chauncey Bowens. I think he was a really undervalued prospect coming out of the state of Florida this year. And I like Dwight Phillips. He's a very different kind of back, but I think he brings a little something, something different to our offense and gives us some explosive punch offensively. So I think he did a hell of a job coming back in this 2024 class. But between 2018 and 2022, at least, there were certainly some misses there. 2023, not his best effort, but did bounce back this year. So if you put it all together, what do you have? You have Del McGee, who did a really, really good job for us. Was he infallible? No, there were misses there. Everybody misses, guys. Nobody bats a thousand when it comes to recruiting. So you can't hold that against him. He largely did a very good job for us. But some people I see out there making out like, oh my God, we've lost the best recruiter on staff. How are we possibly going to recover from this? Dell was great. He was really good. But let's not make him out to be something that he wasn't. He had plenty of misses, just like everybody else does. And we certainly need to see Crawford do it 
at this high of a level. We need to see that. We haven't seen it yet. I'm hopeful. I think he has the makings of the guy that can come in and do a lot of what Del McGee did, and maybe even at a higher level than Del McGee, but we don't know that for sure. But tip of the cap to Del McGee, I really appreciate everything he did here in Athens. It was beyond just recruiting. That was a big part of his job. But this guy was just a staple in our program. He was a stable force, a force for continuity within our program, a guy that Kirby Smart could trust and lean on, became more involved with their offensive game planning as time went on. He will be missed. But again, I think that we're going to be in really good hands with Josh Crawford. All right, guys, I'm going to take one more quick break here. And when we come back, I want to take a look at the coaching carousel for the University of Georgia and how our coaching staff has changed in composition over the last two months and discuss like, okay, are we better or worse as a coaching staff than we were three months ago. So with that, just a second. But first, I do want to remind you about our wonderful friends at Alumni Hall. There's nobody better in the business, guys. When you're in the market for some George gear, which I know as diehard Georgia fans, you pretty much always are. I know I constantly am. There's no better place to pick up the latest and best George gear than Alumni Hall. Trust me when I tell you, they're going to have what you're looking for, and they're going to have so much stuff that you didn't even know you're looking for, but you're going to have to have. They have all the best brands, the best selections, the best prices, best customer service, the best of everything. So it's a no-brainer, guys. When you're ready to buy your, some, some George gear to get ready for the next season, for the baseball season, Alumni Hall is your go-to. So stop in today here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys. So real quick here before I get out of here today, I do kind of just want to take stock of who we've lost, who we've gained, where we are right now with our coaching staff. So since the end of the 2023 season, we know we have lost Stevenson Bass coach Fran Brown. Will Muschamp has not left the program, but he's moved into an off-field analyst role. So he'll still be around, but not in the same role as co-DC and essentially like a safeties coach for us. We've lost wide receivers coach Brian McClendon. We know that relatively recently going to the NFL. And now more recently, Del McGee taking the head coaching job at Georgia State, which by the way, I should have mentioned before the break, I think Dell is going to kill it at Georgia State. I think he is the perfect fit for a school like that, a G5 school. His experience working with Kirby Smart, understanding how to build a program from the ground up, how to establish a culture, recruiting, connections in Georgia, all this, all those things. I think it's a home run hire for Georgia State. So good for those guys. But where are we now? When you look at who we brought in, okay, so we've gone from Fran Brown, Will Muschamp, Brian McClendon, Del McGee, to Dante Williams, Travars Robinson, James Coley, and now Josh Crawford. So let's take this one by one and look at how each guy who's replacing a departing coach compares the coach that they are replacing. So let's go ahead and start with Fran Brown and Dante Williams. Fran Brown was our DB coach, really our cornerback coach. Dante Williams is taking on that exact same role. We know Fran Brown took a promotion to become the head coach at Syracuse. Good for him. Very excited for him. I think he's going to do a really good job there. And Dante Williams coming over from USC. Now, in terms of their background, Fran Brown and Dante Williams are very similar in what they bring to the table. They both had reputations as elite recruiters. So it's honestly tough to say who's the better recruiter. They both have been fantastic recruiters during their time as assistant coach. Obviously, Dante Williams, still an assistant coach. Fran Brown, not so much anymore. I think they're roughly equal. If you think about their reputations when Fran Brown came into Georgia and Dante Williams, his reputation now coming over to Georgia, roughly equal in their recruiting reputation. I would say Dante Williams actually has a more extensive resume in terms of experience at the Power 5 level with big-time programs. So 
there's that. I don't know how much that matters, but a lot of time at USC, but let's just call that a draw right now. I don't, I certainly don't think it's really much of a downgrade. Let's just say that. And then you'll get Will Muschamp and Travis Robinson. Those guys, I don't want to say they're interchangeable. Will Muschamp has had far more success as a defensive coordinator throughout his career. He has far more time as a college football coach. He has had coaching experience. So I'm not trying to tell you that Travis Robinson is an upgrade over Will Muschamp. I actually would give a slight edge, at least a slight edge, to Champ here. Because uh, let's not forget, Will Muschamp... I know he's got the reputation like a crazy dude. That, that dude is an ace recruiter. Talk about guys who just know how to build connections, build relationships, and talk to high school kids. That's what Will Muschamp can do, man. Like Will Muschamp is elite at that. And Tavares Robinson also has a fantastic reputation as a recruiter and done a lot of that in the SEC. And I am very excited to have him on staff, but I would still give at least a slight edge to Champ here. But here's the caveat. Muschamp still on staff not as an on-field coach he is off the field now in an analyst role but he can still recruit for us in that role he just can't do it off campus when guys come to campus you better believe Will Muschamp is going to be involved in their recruitment now that's not the exact same no he's not gonna be the lead on anybody but he's still involved so if you're telling me you can have Travis Robinson out there in the field actually going out and recruiting guys out on the trail and then you have Will Muschamp still back at home doing some recruiting as well. Like that That's probably an upgrade, right? If you get both those guys rather than just one of them, I would say that's probably an upgrade overall when you think about it in those terms. And then a wide receiver, I mean, Brian McClendon is an awesome recruiter. He really always has been, even going back to his first tenure here in Athens, what he was able to do at South Carolina. This guy is, is a really, really strong recruiter and a, a really good position coach. I mean, he's called plays before. This guy is a great recruiter. He's a sharp football mind, and he's now going to the NFL. So, I mean, he was absolutely an asset for us. There's no way you can sit here and say that Brian McClendon did not do a good job for Georgia. He was really, really good. But James Coley has also shown previously, not just like somewhere else in his background, but here in Athens, under Kirby Smart, he has shown that he can recruit at extraordinarily high level. I would certainly give BMAC the edge as a technical receiver coach. He actually played the position and has coached that position far more extensively than James Coley has. So I would give BMAC the edge there, absolutely. When it comes to recruiting, as good as BMAC is, Coley's just been a little bit better. He's been a little bit more productive. So I think how you look at that replacement comparing BMAC to James Coley depends largely on what you personally put more of an emphasis on. Do you put more of an emphasis on these coaches developing their players and, and the technical side of things, or do you put more of an emphasis on the recruiting component? I think it's more just like a personal preference kind of thing, and I think that might be different for different people. Again, I think the edge in terms of development and coaching the position would go to McClendon, where I think the at least slight edge in recruiting would go to James Coley. But but it all comes out in the wash, like how much of a difference is there really? Again, we've seen Coley do it at a high level under Kirby Smart. So what, do we want to call that a push? I mean, if you want to lean one way or the other, that's fine, but it's only going to be a slight lean. I don't, I don't see how it can be any more than that. I don't think one guy is head and shoulders above better than the other, at least when it comes to what they're going to be asked to do within the context of that wide receiver coach job here in Athens under Kirby Smart. And then finally, yeah, we've talked a lot about Del McGee and Josh Crawford, the running back coach position today. I would say right now, you got to give the edge to Del McGee based on previous production. Yeah, there were some misses here and there, some pretty high-profile misses, but there were also a lot of high-profile hits. This guy, again, did a fantastic job for us. So I think right now you absolutely have to give him the edge, but saying that, I think there's a world where Josh Crawford has potentially a higher ceiling in that job. That certainly remains to be seen. He's got to go out there and show it and prove it. 
I'm not ready to go out there on a limb and say 100% he's going to be better than Dell McGee. I don't know that yet. Again, like I said earlier, I, I've known about this guy for like a week, okay? So I'm not ready to here and tell you that he is going to be categorically better than Del McGee was. I don't know that yet. But based on the resume, based on the background, a very similar background, very similar resume to Del McGee when he was first hired in Athens, I think there is a chance Josh Crawford could maybe have a higher ceiling than Del McGee. He's got to show me. He's got to prove it. But I'm excited about what he can bring to this program. So at the end of the day, trying to answer that question, has our coaching staff taken a step forward or a step backwards? I know this is kind of a cop-out, and I don't mean it to be that, but I think it's relatively a draw. I don't think that we got significantly better. I don't think that we got significantly worse. I think the staff that Kirby Smart has put together to replace those departing coaches who all did a really good job for us, I think it's very comparable to the staff that we've had the past couple years. On one hand, you could say, well, we lose some continuity, and that's certainly true. Del McGee, again, is an OG. He's been here from the jump with Kirby Smart, but we're also bringing in some guys that not just Kirby, but other coaches on our staff have familiarity with. Travars Robinson, coach under Will Muschamp, coach with Mike Bobo, James Coley, coach with Kirby Smart, coached with a lot of these guys on staff right now. There's not as much familiarity with Dante Williams, but was there any familiarity with Fran Brown when he came on staff? Like, no, that worked out fine. So we'll see how that goes. I, I mean, all I know is Dante Williams has a reputation as a big time recruiter and a really, really, really good assistant coach as a DB coach. I know it didn't go so well at Southern Cal, but there were far more issues than just Dante Williams and coach up the secondary back there. That was more of an Alex Grinch structural issue at USC. But I think being able to sit here and say that we at the very least have not taken a step back from a coaching standpoint, from a coaching staff standpoint, I think that speaks volumes about Kirby Smart. I mean, to me, that's just another example of why we should trust Kirby Smart. How can you not? We lose four guys, four key guys in your operation, sure. And then you answer that with a group of hires where there is no reason to really expect us to skip much of a beat here. There will be a little bit of a learning curve, certainly with guys like Dante Williams and Josh Crawford coming in, but I don't really see any reason to think that we're going to see some sort of decline in production from either a recruiting or a developmental standpoint. So yeah, just another example of why we are in good hands with Kirby Smart. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. Again, I know that this is a little bit shorter than normal, but I wasn't expecting to get on here and do a show today. But when news hits, you know, you got to get on here and make sure the people get what the people want. So I appreciate you guys jumping on here and listening to the show today. And I promise you, we're going to have the spring practice primers are coming up later this week. We'll start later this week, and then we'll continue on with that next week, heading into spring practice, which opens on March 12th. Guys, get ready, y'all. We're talking like two weeks. Two weeks from Tuesday, we will have actual on-field stuff to talk about. No, it's not like games yet. We're not there yet. We've got a ways to go for that. But hey, spring practice is one of those markers. It's one of those markers that means we're inching ever so closer to getting to a new college ball season. And you guys know that we're going to have you covered leading up to spring practice, during spring practice, and certainly after spring practice as well. So keep on coming back for more. Appreciate you guys. I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs. <laughs>